You're listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast's interview with Paul Shapiro. It's no longer any secret that raising animals for food just takes a lot of land, a lot of water, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions, a lot of animal cruelty, and more. And the planet is not getting any bigger. Humanity's footprint on the planet is getting a lot bigger, but the planet itself is not getting any bigger. And so the question is, how can we reduce our footprint or really maybe our food print on the planet at a time when people want more and more meat? Because as I just mentioned, it just takes a lot of resources to raise animals for food. And you know, we already have nearly 8 billion of us walking around the planet. And pretty soon, within 30 years or so, we might have another 2 billion of us on the planet. So if the planet isn't getting any bigger, we're not going to be farming the moon. We're not going to be farming Mars. We only have one planet to farm. How are we going to feed all these billions of people a diet that has a lot of meat in it and not destroy the planet and therefore ourselves and the other species on the planet in the process? And so I believe that the answer to this is in trying to create a meat-like experience for people using food technology with a much smaller footprint. So producing a meat-like experience, but with way less land, way less water, way fewer greenhouse gas emissions. And the way that you do that is by divorcing meat from animals. So if you think about clean energy, you know, the problem of fossil fuels is so severe that you want lots of alternatives. So you don't just want solar, you don't just want geothermal, you don't just want wind, you want lots of different alternatives to fossil fuels. Well, similarly, the problem of factory farms is so bad, it's so severe that you want lots of alternatives. So you can also, instead of growing animal cells, you can, for example, turn plants into foods that look like animal meat. So companies like Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat are out there taking crops like soybeans and peas and turning them into foods that really do look and taste like an animal's meat. Alternatively, you can also use fermentation to turn microbes into foods that look and taste like meat. And that's what we at the Better Meat Code do. We don't sell products that you're going to see on the shelf with our name on them. We sell our ingredients to food companies for them to put into their products. Now, some of them blend our microbial protein or plant-based proteins into their actual animal meat so that they can reduce the footprint of their meat. So in the same way that you might you know, have a hybrid car, you could have hybrid meats that have real animal meat and have plant-based protein in them as well. Or you could use our ingredients as the basis of fully plant-based products in addition. In the past, many people have thought about protein as being synonymous with a hunk of flesh from a once living animal's body. However, in the future, I think protein is going to have a far more diverse definition in most people's minds. So yes, you'll probably still have animal protein, but you're also going to have protein coming from animal cells, protein coming from plants, protein coming from fermentation, protein that is coming from combinations or hybrids of animal cells and plant proteins together. And I think that in the same way that right now, if you go fill up your car with gas in the United States, chances are high that probably about 10% of your gas is not actually coming from fossil fuels. It's coming from ethanol. And you don't even think about it, right? You don't even contemplate the fact that there's ethanol in your gas. And I think that meat may become like that, where people will obtain meat, but the norm will be for that meat not to be totally animal in its nature. And I think that people will just have a different view of what meat is, and it'll be far more diverse than what it is today. The problem with queen meat is solely that it's going to take a long time before it's making any real dent in the market. Plant-based meat, after all, has been on the market for decades and still has not reached 1% of the total meat market. 
Queen meat is not really on the market at all with the exception of a minor amount of it being sold in Singapore, which is a historic event for the first time ever. Yes, we also need these long-term solutions like queen meat, but we also need a nearer-term solution. And that's why I am personally pursuing the fermentation route. When you look at the first supercomputer and how much that cost, and now we all have supercomputers in our pockets that are way more powerful than the first supercomputers. So that cost came down sufficiently that we can make products even better for cheaper. So hopefully that same type of like a Moore's Law type effect will occur in the food technology realm that will allow for technologies like animal cell culture, but also like fermentation of certain microbes and so on to actual meat-like experiences for very little money. There certainly are, are lots of ways that the public is supporting animal agriculture to artificially reduce the cost, whether that's subsidies of things like corn and soy, which are the top feed ingredients for most farm animals, or whether it is the externalized costs that aren't being paid by these companies, like, for example, the environmental damage, the animal cruelty that is inflicted on the chickens, and the turkeys, and the pigs, and so on. And so the public health consequences, which are not borne by the companies, the increased risk of uh, heart disease and type 2 diabetes that we know are associated with a high meat diet, and so on. So there's certainly lots of costs related to meat that you don't pay at the supermarket when you buy it. At the same time, it's very hard to change those type of public policies. Really, really hard, especially when you consider how big and influential the meat industry is. So I think that probably the easier solution is to have governments actually support these alternative proteins. And so in the same way that governments around the world are now funding and subsidizing research into solar, wind, and other types of clean energy, the governments ought to also be subsidizing and supporting research into clean meat and other types of alternative proteins that are more sustainable. In 1993, I was a, young, a very young teenager and a friend of mine showed me a video about what happens. Now keep in mind in 1993, and basically I saw what happened to animals inside of slaughter plants and factory farms, and it was very distressing to me. I kept thinking, what if those were my dogs? You know, what if those were my dogs who were in there? Now, I really believe that future generations are going to be horrified when they learn what we did to animals, um, especially animals who we raised for food. Now, most people don't want to hear that much about it, so I won't go into any great detail, but let me just simply say, if you consider, for example, how the chickens who are eaten or raised, nearly all of them have been genetically selected to grow so big, so fast, that many of them have difficulty even walking a few steps just prior to collapsing underneath their own bulk. They live wing to wing by tens of thousands in windowless warehouses where they're sitting in their feces all day long. When it comes time to slaughter them, you know, most people don't want to hear about what happens next. Similarly, if you think about what happens in the pork industry, millions of pigs are locked inside of crates where they are so narrow they can't even turn around for their whole lives. These aren't temporary holding crates. For years on end, these pigs are living in cages where they can't even turn around. They can stand up and lay down, and that's it. We wouldn't treat the most heinous criminals in our society that way. We wouldn't take murderers and rapists and put them in jail cells so small they can't even turn around. But what crime have these pigs or these chickens committed? And of course, the answer is none. They just simply were not born human. I really believe that we can create better technologies than animals. We've exploited animals for a very long time, but it doesn't have to be that way. For examples, you know, for thousands of years, we used horses as our means of labor. Then we stopped using horses because we invented cars. We used to light our homes with whale oil, and there was a massive whaling industry to kill these whales in the oceans in order to take their oil and create light. 
Well, then we invented kerosene and eventually electric light bulbs that ended up destroying the whaling industry because we no longer needed whale oil. So I think similarly to how technology has freed whales and horses from being exploited by humanity for the most part, of course, there still is some whaling, there's still some horse use, but for the most part, compared to what it once was like, these technologies have done a lot of good for animal welfare. I think similarly, the type of technologies that we're talking about here are going to do a lot for the chickens and the pigs and the turkeys and other farm animals who certainly need assistance. One of the key barriers that people face is this pernicious thought that somebody else is going to be the one to save the world. It's not going to be somebody else. It's going to be you. And so if you think that you can't do it, you're probably right. You won't be able to do it. But if you think that actually you can get out on the field and start playing and start winning for the planet, then you should go do it. Maybe start your own company, invent your own technology, join one of these socially conscious companies, join the Better Meat Co. Where there are lots of opportunities to actually advance technologies that can save the world. I don't believe that people are just going to have a moral revelation and say, okay, I'm going to stop driving, stop flying, stop eating meat. I think more likely people are going to figure out ways to engage in the activities that people want while at the same time doing it with a far lower footprint. I wish that people would do all those things, but sadly, I think we're going to need new technologies that allow us to engage in the types of activities that humans want to engage in with a much lower footprint on the planet. So my main recommendation is to get out onto the field and to start playing. Don't wait. Don't wait until you're an adult. Don't wait till somebody invites you. Don't wait until... Uh, you've gotten some degree, just start today because the planet is getting hotter, the boat is sinking, and we need you in the fight. We hope you've enjoyed this program. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click subscribe. Thank you for listening.